Welcome to a special Encore episode of the podcast where we open up the back catalog and share some of our favorite and most popular episodes that are worth a second or perhaps your first listen. Today we bring you our exclusive interview with Dave Kimball, CEO of beauty retailer Alta. Steve, of the many great CEO interviews we've hosted, what stood out for you about this discussion? Well, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I have a, I want to say a long history with Ulta, but having lived in Chicago for many, many years when Ulta first got started and started expanding, they were on my radar screen. But as time has gone on, they're just one of these retailers that has continued to grow, continued to produce amazing results. So they're definitely on my short list of remarkable retailers worldwide. In particular, and I kind of forgotten about mm. some of this until I went back and listened to it, but I really liked, and this is very self-serving, I suppose, but I really liked how he's amplified some of the themes I talk about in my book uh, and in my keynotes uh, uh, about remarkable retail, which is this idea of not being focused on the different channels of, of really providing a harmonized experience and embracing the blur and digital drives physical and vice, vice versa. Uh, he also talks about how they're very human-centered in their approach and trying to make these emotional connections with customers, which I think is incredibly important. And then the third uh, part of my essential framework is being digitally enabled. And there's quite a lot that they have done to be a pioneer in using digital technology, I, obviously, you know, through e-commerce and their loyalty program, but even leveraging some of those tools in their stores. Now, now we recorded this, uh, as I said, back in season three, I think it was January of, of 2022. Uh, any thoughts that you could layer on top of the interview from, uh, from back in 2022 to bring us up to date on current events with Alta? Well, first of all, it was interesting to hear uh, his, some of his comments because we were in the Omicron era. And so right. it, it was, uh, <laughs> well, part of what it's interesting just to reflect on it is it was pretty uncertain. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty in retail, obviously, the last few years in general. But particularly in that moment, there was a lot of uncertainty because uh, we kind of thought we were getting beyond the COVID period, but yet things were coming back. So you could people will hear that in his comments, but he turned out to be right about 2022 actually ending up to be mm. a pretty good year, mm -hmm. uh, which maybe I should just touch on some of the things in Ulta's performance that have transpired since. So 2022, so the year that we were just starting at the time we talked to Dave, in that year, Ulta delivered a comp of 15.6%. Wow. Not too shabby. Wow. An operating margin of 16.1%. Very few retailers can claim that sort of operating margin. And their sales are up, if you look, just kind of bringing it forward into 2023, their overall sales are up about 40% uh, from where they were pre-COVID. Now, some of that is store openings for sure, but a lot of that is a couple of uh, or several straight quarters of really powerful comps. The other thing he'll talk, you know, people will hear he talks about in the interview is that they were relatively new into putting their shops within a shop at Target. I think they had a hundred of them at mm. the time we spoke to Dave. Now they have about 355 according to mm. the, their website. And they're, they've said they're going to 800. Wow. So that's quite a lot of growth. And then in addition, just real quickly, they are planning to, well, they did open, or um, I think about 50 stores since we talked to him and they're planning to open another 50 or 60 in the coming year. So lots of physical store growth, lots of e-commerce growth, whether they'll uh, announce some interesting things about going global. We'll 
we'll see. That was teased a little bit in the interview in your question about expanding to Canada. Right. I think I'll just say really quickly that I think is so fascinating about Ulta, and I think I mentioned this in an episode earlier in the season. If you really want to think about how Ulta's business model and similar business models have really disrupted retail across the last decade or so, one way to look at it is to see how strong their stock performance has been and what has happened with some of the companies they competed against. So one of the things we talk about is how mm-hmm. Ulta mm-hmm. is in the prestige beauty category. And uh, that is, of course, where a lot of department stores famously had yeah. strong businesses. And um, so if you look at Ulta's market cap, it is more than doubled in five years. It's up about 25% since we aired the episode 18, 19 months ago. Mm-hmm. During that same time, if you look can at we attribute, Can we attribute that particular growth to his appearing uh, on? I think, I think most of it, yeah. I think <laughs> we, had our, we had our statistical team uh, using advanced AI, and we've, yes, derived that 80% of that stock increase is attributable to his so appearance. Dave, so, Dave, if you're listening, there you go. <laughs> Thanks you're for welcome. Being on the you're welcome. You're welcome. Send us the gift basket <laughs> to thank us. Um, but if you look at some of the department stores they compete with um, that are public, so during that time, Macy's is um, down, their stock price is down 58%. Kohl's is down 69%. Nordstrom is down 62%. And if you look at their market capitalization and add it up, so Macy's market cap, Kohl's market cap, Nordstrom market cap combined is less than half of Ulta's market cap, wow. which is wow. pretty phenomenal because obviously Macy's, Kohl's, and Nordstrom sell a lot of other things yeah. besides beauty. So, you know, you see this huge value migration from a brand that really disrupted the category away from the folks that really led in this regard you know, 20 years ago. It's quite, yeah, yeah. quite a re- remarkable story. But more, more on the keys to that, uh, people will hear in the interview, obviously. All right. Well, that's a great overview, both of uh, the interview itself and of current events. Without further ado, let's get to Dave Kimball, CEO, Ulta. Well, Michael and I are delighted to welcome Dave Kimball to the podcast. Welcome, Dave. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, and I'm looking forward to a great discussion. Well, your uh, your company is one of the most exciting stories in retail, so we're very excited to dig into that in just a second. But what we usually like to do is just have the guests give us a little bit about themselves and their personal journey and the work they do. So if you won't mind starting there, and then we'll delve into some of the exciting things going on at Ulta. Absolutely. Well, again, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, just briefly, I, uh, I um, from the Midwest, grew up in Indianapolis, and my first job was actually in Indianapolis in banking and commercial lending, but decided that wasn't uh, where I wanted to you know, focus my career. So after business school, made the shift into consumer businesses, uh, mostly on the CPG side, first at Procter & Gamble, in beauty. Uh, didn't know then that my career would circle back to beauty, but spent about five or six years in beauty at P&G, which was just a great place to learn and and uh, and understand the importance and power of beauty and 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 marketing and consumer connection. Then a number of years at Pepsi and uh, in Chicago, spent some time 
in Burlington, Vermont, at a cool company, Seventh Generation, a small uh, independent company at the time that uh, was doing some pretty interesting things in sustainability. Came back to Chicago and really got into retail uh, for the first time, direct into retail, but in uh, in the mobile uh, space at U.S. Cellular, we had about a thousand stores across. The, the country and, uh, and and learned a lot through the lens of, of mobile, but then made the leap uh, full into retail when I joined Ulta Beauty eight years ago. First, uh, you know, leading marketing and then merchandising and e-commerce and and uh, our loyalty program, store design, all really all aspects of our consumer business. And I love it. And I've been was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to step into the CEO role here last June. So a little over six months ago, and uh, I couldn't be happier. The best uh, best time in my career for sure. And uh, you know, we're really optimistic and excited about the path ahead. And I'm grateful to be part of this team and this organization as we look to the future. Well, maybe we'll get into a little bit how that diverse background has informed uh, what you're doing now at, at Ulta. But on the off chance, there are some listeners, and we do have a, a pretty good global audience, so I imagine there are some. Uh, but but can you just give us kind of a high-level view of what Ulta is about, how the brand has evolved over the last few years, and then we'll talk more about your growth strategies going forward. Great. Well, Ulta is uh, about a little over 30 years old. Uh, started uh, here in Chicago, where I am right now, uh, two, two entrepreneurs uh, that had spent most of their career in retail had uh, an idea to create something new and beauty. And, and their insights that they developed in their original business plan, and I've had a chance to meet uh, one of them and spend time with understanding their th- uh, thinking, that their insights really continue to drive our business today. Uh, and so their vision was to disrupt beauty and disrupt it in a way that meets consumers' needs in, in a differentiated way. One of the core things they identified was... Um, most beauty retail at the time and still largely today outside of Ulta uh, is is separated due to industry standards, not due to consumer engagement. And that's by mass and prestige. And we're the only retailer in the U.S. and among only a handful across the globe that bring together a complete assortment of beauty from across all price points, uh, mass entry level, all the way up to high-end luxury uh, and everything in between, and across all categories, makeup and skincare and hair care and fragrance and bath and increasingly into wellness and accessories, just everything uh, uh, beauty. We call it all things beauty all in one place. And that's been a big part of who we are uh, and what we've been delivering to our guests. And, and, and our guests respond to it. They saw that in the research they did 30 years ago, and it continues to be relevant for consumers today in every bit of research. And, and I think it's been a big driver of our success. On, on top of that, um, our founders and, and us today that are leading the company have had a long-term commitment to what we call human connections, creating experiences uh, in, in you know first and foremost in our physical environment, but increasingly in every touch point that we have uh, with our guests that uh, 
that recognize the importance that beauty plays in our consumers' lives. Uh, beauty is so emotional. It's so important to how people express themselves to the world. Uh, it's such, uh, you know, fundamentally about, you know, individual choices and in how people feel about themselves. And so with that emotion comes a great opportunity and a responsibility to deliver an experience that recognizes the human elements of that. And we, we have worked hard for a long time to create a culture and an environment uh, that uh, allows our guests to come in and what we describe as discover the possibilities that lie within all, each of them through the power of beauty. We feel we're not in the business to make be people beautiful. They already are. We're just here to uh, you know, give them the, the, uh, an environment that allows them to express themselves however they, they want. And that's been a big driver and really differentiates us. And, and, uh, and so we're, we're really proud of the success we've had. Uh, you know, we've grown into over these last 30 years into the largest uh, retailer in the U.S., a beauty retailer in the U.S. We have 1,300 stores, 40,000 associates. Uh, you know, we've shared publicly that we'll finish this fiscal year, which wraps up in just a couple of, of weeks, um, you know, over $8 billion in, in sales, and, uh, and we see a lot of opportunity ahead. So uh, excited and optimistic about the future and really proud of what we've delivered for uh, these last 30 years. Well, it's really, it's a phenomenal story and really a, an incredible track record of success. So I'm interested in, you know, so it sounds like there's this original insight that really drove the the business model, the business format. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, you're obviously in a very competitive category. Uh, lots of places where people can buy beauty-related products in physical stores online. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how over the last, you know, whether it's 10, 15, 20 years, how the shopping experience, how the consumer has really changed in this in this digital world, constantly connected world, and how that's informed the way Alt has evolved over the last few years. Well, you know what's interesting, and you alluded to it. Like we we have some consistent insights and elements of our strategy that uh, have been part of our business from again the original business plan. Uh, you know, we just updated our our strategy publicly. We had an analyst day in October where we shared a updated view of the path ahead of us. And what was I felt so cool uh, and and frankly really inspiring within the company is the combination of the, the foundation on which our business has been built, the differentiated elements remain every bit as relevant as they were when they, you know, we started the company. Uh, and that's, and we, and we're going to continue to drive and lead and differentiate in those. But at the same time, we've worked hard to adapt our business to meet the needs and evolving expectations of, of, a beauty enthusiast across the country. And that combination, the ability to kind of stay true to who we are and what differentiates us, but also innovate and disrupt. Um, you know, we were really creative with the idea of disrupting the category. And, and it's not a one-time thing. We didn't just do it 30 years ago. We've been doing it continually for uh, the entire time we've been around. And, and so, and then as we look over the last, um, uh, you know, decade. I, I really look at the history of our company in in uh, four four chapters. 
the 90s where we started first 10 years was really about getting established. We were still pretty small. We didn't have that many stores, getting the model figured out. Uh, it was really in the 2000s, that decade, that we started expanding, opening up more stores, establishing an e-commerce business, breaking into prestige in a bigger way. And then and then the 2010s is frankly when we kind of took off. Uh, the, the foundation was there, but through uh, a lot of innovation, innovation in how we told our brand story and marketed and communicated and made sure, you know, beauty enthusiasts were aware of what made us special. We drove that innovation in our assortment. Um, we've added hundreds of new brands and and expanded rapidly into different areas of uh uh, you know, of beauty to make sure that we're leading across every categories. And then innovation in in how we engage. Our e-commerce business uh, has has grown, grown dramatically and is now a, a very substantial part of our business. But importantly, we've built it in a way that it complements the store. We have never looked at e-commerce and physical stores as two separate businesses. We've always thought of them as one integrated a consumer business because what what we see is most guests don't shop uh, just e-commerce. Our, our store sh guests shop e-commerce and then they stop uh, in store and we get a greater share of wallets. So we've innovated across every touch point in digital and consumer engagement to make sure that we're evolving to meet uh, meet consumers' needs. And and then, you know, the last thing I'd say is, uh, you know, that's been key to our success is our culture. And we have worked hard over the last, you know, six, seven, eight years to ensure that the environment at Ulta uh, is empowering, inclusive, uh, engaging, exciting, uh, it, which is the right thing to do, but it also enables us to deliver these human experiences 40,000 associates every day delivering, uh, you know, experiences in, as I said, a very emotional category. And so that's been a big part of our of our innovation and and focus, too. And, and so all those things come together to ensure that we're staying true to who we are and what what you know has been our core foundation, but continually innovating across every uh, dimension and aspect of our business to ensure we're. Uh, you know, disrupting and meeting the needs of beauty enthusiasts every day. Mm. So it's, it's such a great story. Let's let's talk about the role of your stores, your 1,300 stores. We're seeing a revival, if not a renaissance, of sorts of brick and mortar as a strategy, not just a distribution point. So at a strategic level, how do you, and you've mentioned it with your the integration of online and your stores, how, do your team, how does your team approach finding that right blend of channels? So, you know, what, what the customer is looking for and, of course, what your investors and, and what your looking for from a performance from the business how, do, how does that all come together and how do you think about that well we do we do start like like we try to do with everything start with uh with our with our guest and understand how they want to engage and what we've learned early on in our expansion of e-commerce is uh they like i said earlier they don't look at these channels separately what they look at is ulta beauty and and our ability to engage with them excite them bring them joy bring them you know uh, new insights and education into beauty as we do that they engage in more uh, in the more elements uh, that we offer so what what we have historically seen is of course uh, you know we're 
a store business first and uh, 1,300 stores. So we still have a lot of guests that have you only shop us in stores. But when guests start to shop us online, if we can convert them into an online guest, what we actually see is their store frequency goes up even as they start shopping us online. And what that tells us is, uh, you know, it's not an either or. These aren't two separate businesses. It's another avenue to drive customer loyalty and engagement. And so what we're getting when we get our guests engaged in more aspects of Ulta Beauty, uh, we get greater share of wallet. I, every one of our stores also has a, a full service uh, salon. And, and so hair salon, brow services, makeup, skin services, uh, that's another part of our omnichannel strategy. And another example that if we can get a guest who is shopping us for product, uh, engaging us in, in salon services, uh, we get more engagement across every touch point that we have. And, and it also serves another role for our physical stores. You can't cut your hair online. So right. uh, we, we bring experiential elements into uh, into our physical stores every day. And, and so our overarching you know, emphasis, both from a consumer standpoint, and then frankly, it's how I think about it with investors, is it isn't about the individual uh, dynamics of any each of our channels. Of course, we're managing our costs, and there's cost pressures on stores, and there's cost pressures on, on e-com. Um, mm-hmm. We look at it through a guest lens, and if we're able to excite our guests, we get rewarded through higher loyalty, higher share of wallet, more engagement and touch points, and that's proven to work for us, and it's how we're going to continue to think about it going forward. What role do your stores, and as you're thinking, changed about their role as acquisition? I mean, for a decade, a lot of marketing teams have focused on online and, and traditional methods, but I, you know, more and more of us are turning our minds to the stores as an acquisition tactic or even strategy. Are, are you guys thinking about that as well, and as 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 well as that in, engaging uh, effect it has with the customers who are shopping in multiple channels? It has stores have long played a guest acquisition. We see it. We're, we're, we've opened hundreds of new stores over the last few years. Uh, this year in 2022, we're going to open 50 more new, uh, new stores. And and we see very much when we open up a store, we acquire new guests. But we also see what's really cool. We see e-com penetration increase in those trade areas when we open open new stores. So uh, it is absolutely a guest acquisition um, you know opportunity for us. And and uh, even with thirteen hundred stores, we've talked publicly that we feel we could get up to seventeen hundred stores, uh, uh, you know, standalone Ulta stores. Uh, we also uh, have expanded you know, our physical presence in other ways, including our partnership with Target. So we now have 100 locations of Ulta Beauty inside Target, uh, and that relationship will expand in, in physical retail. And we see that as a guest acquisition by, again, giving them uh, a physical way to interact with Ulta uh, in, a, in a new and different environment. And so physical retail uh, very much complements our digital efforts in attracting new guests. And, and in fact, when we're able to get them engaged in both, that's when we really hit the sweet spot and have you know, really highly valuable guests that are fully loyal and engaged with Ulta Beauty. Talking about acquisition, I can't have you on the mic without briefly asking you about your plans for international expansion. I'm here in Toronto. Uh, any, what are your thoughts on the international expansion and, and coming up here to the Great White North? 
Well, we had uh, announced plans and we were actually moving forward, uh, actively moving forward to launch into Canada. And, uh, you know, before COVID, we were actually on track to launch in mid to late 2020. As COVID hit, we paused that just for a number of reasons, but mainly because we felt like we needed to focus on our core U.S. business and ensure that we you know, understood what was ahead of us from a, a COVID standpoint and the disruption. And so we, we, we put all of that on hold. And then, you know, we've, we actually shifted, uh, you know, some of that effort into establishing our relationship here in the U.S. with Target mm-hmm. and expanding in, in, in that relationship. And as I said, we now have 100 stores there. So Canada, in, in uh, many ways, unfortunately, was uh, one of those uh, strategic decisions we made because of the COVID disruption. I guess if that had never happened, we probably would be uh, celebrating our stores opening and hopefully experiencing success in a great market with a lot of beauty enthusiasts with a lot of opportunity but uh, for now it's uh, not uh, you know not in our immediate strategic plan but we we see international growth as an opportunity because our model's unique and there's many markets around the world including potentially Canada that we think we'd be relevant and and uh, deliver a great experience so Dave I want to uh, as we're coming up on our time I have uh, two questions one is, if you have a working crystal ball, uh, which I don't, but if you had to say what some of the big stories for 2022 are going to be that the people who are working in retail or paying attention to retail should be focused on, what, what are the things that would be top of mind? And then I'll ask you one broader question, which is probably unfair as well, but I'll, I'll do it anyway. Yeah, I wish I had a crystal ball, and uh, you know, I, I by no means uh, uh, you know, claim to be an expert. Uh, you know, as we think about what's ahead, and I think any, you know, I, if if one thing that the last two years have taught us, it's uh, it you know, we need to be adaptable and ready to adjust, and you know, we're experiencing that right now with Omicron and everything else that's going on. But as I look forward, I mean, certainly COVID is going to be a big part of our story throughout 2022, and and so many of the capabilities that we've built to adapt and adjust and and uh, and ensure that we're taking care of our team, um, you know, hiring is challenging and particularly in this environment. So our focus on our team health and wellness, uh, as we've had so much challenge and pressure on them, will continue to be front and center as we you know see what's ahead of us as it relates to all things COVID. But beyond that, you know, I think the environment's going to be very strong. I mean, we're seeing that uh, as we closed out 2021, I think broadly speaking, retail had a positive, uh, robust holiday. You know, we certainly felt positive about what we experienced. And then uh, looking into this year, we're optimistic about the total consumer environment. But for us, uh, when we look at that, with that optimism comes a recognition that expectations from guests are as high as they've ever been. Um, You know, we need to make sure that we're elevating every touch point, every experience, because our our guest, and I'd argue guests, <laughs> consumers across every, every consumer business, retail and products, um, ha- are reexamining what's important to them. And if we're not delivering every day, every single guest interaction, I, I spend a lot of time in our stores and I'm so proud of what they're delivering. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we just talk a lot about is uh, this is a time of real reevaluation for every human because of the disruption we've been through. So it's 
even more important that we're taking care of every guest. We're bringing joy. We're bringing human connections. Uh, we are bringing light in you know moments of darkness. Uh, we're finding ways mm. to engage, and we eliminate the things that, frankly, kind of our drag about shopping both in store uh, and online uh, because there's less tolerance for that. And so that's going to be our big focus. Uh, we have a number of strategies, but if I raised it, you know, it's ride through COVID, take care of our team, adapt, adapt and adjust and make sure we are delivering for our guests in really human, joyful, positive ways every day. And uh, I'm pretty confident uh, about the path ahead, but we know there's going to be some twists and turns for sure. Well, that's such an uplifting message that perhaps we'll just leave it there because I probably would drag us back down into some some minutia. But uh, I really love talking. I mean, I, I one of the things I talk a little bit about it uh, in my book, one of the eight essentials, is this idea of being human centered. You know, bringing more empathy, more joy, more kind of a soulful connection to to retail. And I really love that that that's such a cornerstone of what you're doing. So we'll leave it there, Dave. Thanks thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate all your perspectives. Uh, we'll put a couple links. I've actually, one of the reasons why we reached out to you, even though you were on our list for a while, was I uh, really loved what you said in your Investor's Day presentation. So perhaps we'll do a link to that so people can get some more of the details, more of the exciting growth strategies that are being implemented in, our, uh, in the future. But uh, thanks so much for joining us, Dave. Really appreciate it. And Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to both of you. And thanks for your interest in Ulta Beauty. And uh, let's hope for a really uh, great 2022 for all of us. If you like what you heard, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you can catch up with all our great episodes, including our recent interview with Carrie Baker, President, Canada Goose. And be sure to drop us that five-star review where you listen to your podcast. It really helps us spread the word. And I'm Steve Dennis, strategy and innovation consultant, keynote speaker, and author of the best-selling book, Remarkable Retail, How to Win and Keep Customers in the Age of Disruption. You can learn more about me at stephenpdennis.com, and be sure to follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And I'm Michael LeBlanc, consumer retail growth consultant, keynote speaker, and producer and host of a series of retail trade podcasts, including this one. You can learn more about me on LinkedIn. All new Season 7 of the Remarkable Retail Podcast debuts July 25th, and we can't wait to have you join us. Safe travels, everyone.